would for a little while longer. We're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. And we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. So thankful for each and every person that is here today. So thankful for my Refuge Church family that I pray for and I appreciate, amen, your faithfulness, your support, your involvement in ministry. And aren't we thankful for all of our guests here today? Refuge family, let's let them know. We give them and extend to them a warm refuge welcome. Again, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Before we read our text, I've got a very important announcement that uh, I purposely and intentionally withheld from Brother Alex Perry, our youth pastor, and the announcements that he gave and did a fine job at such. But uh, coming up on February 19th, that is a Saturday at 2 p.m., there is a couple among us uh, that they want their lives to be in alignment with the Word of God And they have decided to enter into a covenant with God and with each other through marriage. And this is Franklin and Cynthia. And they desire with all their hearts to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And so they are choosing to unite in marriage. And uh, they would love if any refuge family is able to be here on that day. They would invite you to celebrate their vows together with the Lord on that day, Saturday, February 19th at 2 p.m. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How many knows that's easier said than done? Furthermore, do not lean or depend on your own understanding. But in all, someone say all, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And as a result, he will direct your paths. One more passage of scripture. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it mentions that it came to pass that as the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake, Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the the fishermen, they had already made their way out of the boats. They were mending and washing their nets. And Jesus, (laughs) I love the authority that he just kind of, he just stepped into one of the boats, which was Simon's. We more familiarly know him as Peter. And he prayed him, or he asked Peter that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down, and from there he was able to teach the people. He needed to just kind of back up a little bit so that he could speak to the people that pressed upon him. Now, when he had was done speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draw. Simon answering said unto him, Master, now listen, we've worked all night and we didn't catch anything. (sighs) Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And when he did it, when he obeyed, they they got such a large catch of fish that the net broke. (laughs) They had to call their partners. They had to call the other boat. Come, help us bring in this catch. And both ships could not bear the weight of the catch, they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' feet. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Called him Lord. Amen. I, 
I feel led of the Lord to, to speak, to teach, to preach from that scripture in Proverbs that really is a life verse for me. It's one of the verses in the Bible that just is always, always stuck out in my mind and that I've prayed and that I have tempted, tempted to live by. I want to speak to you about trusting in the Lord. Or maybe, maybe the Lord just, he would like a more concise title and he wants to deal with some trust issues, some trust issues. Hmm. Let us pray. Mighty God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your body. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for the privilege that we have to be in this room right now, to feel your spirit that is moving and to be able to hear your word that's about to come forth. I pray that you would help me to be led by the spirit of God that is within me and that I would speak your word as your spirit leads and that everyone that is here, Lord, will be hearers of your word, receiving the instruction and that it will challenge us and that we would receive that challenge and instruction from the word and respond to it and obey it. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen. Amen, amen. Put your Bibles down, shake somebody's hand and say, you've got trust issues. You've got trust issues. Maybe some of you had no idea that God was going to use you so powerfully when you came to church today to give that direct word to that person you just spoke to. But there you have it. He did. Amen. Amen. Of course, I remember that God, he even uses donkeys. So is it any surprise that he used you? No, never mind. Not a good way to start a message by offending the people that you're speaking to. You all are wonderful men and women of God, no doubt. And uh, always expect to be mightily used of the Lord. Amen. Trust issues. It was some time ago, uh, I believe it was in 2019, I have the date recorded in my, my Thompson Chain Bible. I love my Thompson Chain Bible, and you could tell that I have loved it. It is falling apart. It is held together by uh, construction-grade black duct tape. And I just, I love that Bible. And it was, I believe, in August of 2019 that I was, I was struggling to find the will of God and the purpose of God in my life for that moment. I was, I was, in, I was at a crossroads. I had to make a decision of what I was going to do. And in particular, this was just, it was an intense decision that I had to make of whether or not, and maybe this seems trivial to you, but it wasn't to me at the time. It was whether or not I was going to go back to Bible college. I had, uh, I had gone for a year and a half, and my life had radically been changed over that time, and the Lord had done an incredible work in my heart and really developing uh, His calling on my life and developing a burden for the lost and Going, coming out of the school year that ended in May of 2019, I, I felt like I wasn't going back. I really had my mind made up that I wasn't going back and entered into, back into the construction field, concrete cutting in Chicagoland area and was working, making very good money and thought that I was just, I was there, I was planted where I was at and that's where I needed to be. I was going to help my local church and August came around. And I was really being torn. And I knew, I perhaps I knew what the word of God said. And I knew what his word and purpose was for my life. But there was a lot of, of things being thrown my way that really made the decision a little more difficult. Um, and really it shouldn't have been. But, but anyhow, I, I reached out to a friend. And a friend, in fact, I didn't even reach out to them. I just remembered that my friend had texted me or messaged me or called me with that particular scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And, and since that point there in 2019, 
the Lord has always allowed this word, this scripture to surface in my life and be the guiding principles for the decisions that I make. No matter how trivial, no matter how monumental they are, I always look back to the scripture. I always pray this scripture and, and it helps me. And I've discovered the key elements to ensure the power of his voice be regarded in my life are found in this scripture. Number one, you've got to trust in him with all your heart. All your heart. Now, I've already referenced this, and for those of you that were here in adult Sunday school class here in this room, maybe you'll feel some overlap, and I, I apologize and not apologize for that. It's just the way I feel like the Lord is working today, and I, I didn't necessarily intend for that to happen, but I know that we've been brought up on, on Disney, and we've been brought up in a world that is governed by feelings and emotions and We've been thought and taught that we ought to just listen to our hearts. But are there any witnesses in the room brave enough to raise your hand to say that there was at least a couple times when listening to your heart in hindsight was not the best thing to do? Would you raise your hand? Bible says, now, if you're sitting next to your spouse, you're like, did you listen to your heart to marry me? You know, just, Valentine's Day is coming and you, be careful now. But our feelings are so fickle. They are so temperamental. Our feelings can be up and down and up again and down again in one day. And sometimes, depending, depending, never mind, sometimes in one hour. 1999, what would I say? Oh, my goodness. It was in 1999. Thank you, Sister Brown. You like how she just kind of helps me out from the front row. She also holds up whiteboards that says, time to quit. No, she actually, she doesn't do that. No, no. No, I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was going to leave the Quad Cities in 2019. But our heart is so, in fact, the scripture says it. And imagine that. The Bible is true. The Bible is true. And the Bible says your heart is deceitful. In fact, at times it's desperately wicked. You don't even know it. Our heart and its emotions and its feelings are based most of the time entirely on temporary conditions and circumstances. What someone has said to us, I mean, isn't it, isn't it pitiful? Isn't it pitiful? I, I, I've mentioned this before. I was, I was shopping during the holidays one time for my family, and I was at TJ Maxx in Davenport, and a boy that was probably no older than 12 years old just happened to pass by me. He's like, I really like your coat, man, and walked away. And I was like, oh, I felt so great. And they... I don't know that kid. I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives. Don't know anything about him. But my heart is just, it was touched by someone's compliment in the moment. And, and listen, just as it can be encouraged in a single moment by an absolute stranger, it can be discouraged. And perhaps you might even coin your, your predicament as depression, deep discouragement, all because of what you feel, of what you experience, of what someone said to you. But the word of the Lord rings true today that if you're going to trust him, you've got to learn to trust him with your whole heart, all your emotions. Now, some folks in this room right now, you've got emotions that are so deeply rooted from previous and past hurts that you've held on to for a long time. If anybody in this room is good at holding a grudge, you are. You haven't talked to someone in years. You haven't even looked at them or made eye contact. You refuse to shake their hand even though they walk up to you and try to greet you. Why? Because of some chip that's on your shoulder from perhaps an accidental offense that they brought into your life by some word that they said in passing. And listen, you cannot allow those things to rob you from trusting in the Lord with all your heart. 
There's people in here, you've got trust issues. In fact, I dare say, we've all at one point have had trust issues. Oh, yeah, we have. Oh, yeah, we have. Because trust can be broken. And because we trust people that we've allowed into our hearts, that we've even used the word love toward. I love them. They're my bestie. We're like this. And that trust that had developed over a period of time where where you trusted what they said and you trusted their word and you trusted them to be there when you needed them and then that trust was broken. It could have been as simple as them not, not returning your call or as deep as physical or spiritual or emotional abuse that was intended to hurt you. It could have been a minister in some church that you went to as a kid that took advantage of the trust you put in religion and you trust you put in church and, and the people that you would find in church. And, and here you are 20 years later and you're still avoiding a commitment to God and a commitment to the body of Christ because trust issues still linger in your heart. And the Lord has sent me here today to try to address those issues. I, I don't claim to solve them. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the education to try to get into your brain to fix the real problems that you're facing emotionally and even spiritually. But I do know a God that his word is true, his faithfulness is uncomparable, that is in this room, that wants to call out to the deep places in your life that you said nobody could touch them and nobody could fix them. Oh, I'm here to tell you Jesus is in this room right now, and he is worth trusting with all your heart. Now, if your heart doesn't get in the way, your mind will. Right? You've learned to, to use your brain, and you're quite proud of it. You look at, at people younger than you and dumber than you. And you look at young people especially and think how foolish love is wasted on the young. And, and, and you've, you've kind of prided yourself that you no longer follow your heart. And you, you haven't realized that you've turned into this, this cold lack of feeling statue in life that logic just governs every decision and if you can't see it if you can't if you can't make sense of it if you can't write it down on paper and it doesn't total up correctly on the spreadsheet the risk is higher than the reward and and you've got all the profits and loss statements balanced and and you're like this doesn't make sense Guess what? God has a word for you too. And just like you preached with me just a little while ago and saying, listen to that. Did you hear what he said, young people? Did you hear what he said? Don't follow your heart. I'm here to preach to some of you brainiacs that your brain and your intelligence has gotten in the way of walking by faith instead of by sight. And God has promise and purpose for your life. And God I've learned this, that walking by faith doesn't always make sense. It doesn't always compute. It doesn't always balance at the end of the day. But I've learned that God has my best interest in mind. And he knows the end from my beginning. And he knows what's best for me. If you believe that, would you clap your hands? I said, if you believe that, would you clap your hands with all your heart and strength and mind? Trust in the Lord. 
Do not lean on your own understanding, for you will discover that it is a staff and a reed that can be easily broken and puncture and pierce your side in its inadequacy. But the Lord is in this place and saying, here am I. Trust in me. Stop depending on your own understanding, but acknowledge me in all of your ways. Now here, here's the other part. It's those that could easily categorize life. Compartmentalize, right? Isn't it, it, isn't it what victims of abuse become very good at? Or perhaps counselors and individuals that have very weighty and burdensome occupations that take in large amounts of grief and, and hurt and they've learned to compartmentalize life. Isn't that what contemporary Christianity has somewhat become? Church is what I do on Sunday. Or maybe, maybe you are you are a wonderful daily uh, Bible reader, person that prays. You are regimented in your devotionals. But ha has anyone else ever felt like you know what? There's a disconnect between what I experience on Sunday and even what I read in the morning each day. And then just the rest of life. You see, we've got to, it, it's, it's almost like this progression. We trust in him with all of our heart. We do not lean on our own understanding. But in all of our ways, we acknowledge him. <laughs> at your job. At your school. In your relationships, your friendships, your associations. Who you spend time with what you allow yourself to be entertained by. You think thoughts like, Pastor, you have no business talking to me about those things. Stick with what you're good at. Stick with what you're supposed to talk to me about. Don't mess with my finances. And don't, what, don't mess with what I do with my money. And don't mess with where I go on Friday. And don't mess with what I watch in the privacy of my bedroom. And don't mess with where I choose to work. And don't, no, no, listen, listen. If this is going to work, and if you are going to allow the Lord to direct your life, you have got to learn to bring him and acknowledge him in every area of your life life, your conversations, your text threads, your social media, your entertainment, your job, your finances. Let him in. Forgive me, I, I have misspoken. I have misspoken. It's not about letting him in, Sister Dina. It's about acknowledging his presence. You see, there's nowhere that I could go that he's not already there. David said, if I made my bed in hell, he's already there. It's not about bringing him in. It's about acknowledging his presence. I'm going to take the blinders off. I'm going to look around and I see God is there. Whether I'm in the heavens of heavens or in the darkest of hell, God is there. And I'm going to acknowledge his presence. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know, I know that I, with tongue in cheek, I, 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 I made mention of God using a donkey to speak earlier as I set out in this message. But, but let's go to that story because I think that story brings out a beautiful illustration of this very point, of this very point that I'm trying to make. Balaam, the owner of the donkey, he's asked to go and curse the children of Israel. Balaam says, oh, let me find out if that would be the will of God or not. He goes and prays. Nope, not the will of God. People go away, they come back another day. They've got a hefty sum of money. Come on, Balaam, would you come and curse the people of God? Balaam goes and prays. The answer's still the same. No, no, you shouldn't curse the people of God. <laughs> but Balaam, he, he says, I'm going to go with you, right? 
For those of you that know the story, he saddles his donkey, he makes his way, and he gets to this place where it's a narrow passage, a wall of rock on either side, and he can't see it, but his donkey can. There's an angel before him with a sword of fire standing in the way. And the donkey, to preserve his own life, goes to the left and goes to the right and tries to stop. And Balaam, the owner of the donkey, hits him and beats him. And God opens the mouth of the donkey and converses with Balaam. Why are you tormenting me? Have I not served you faithfully all of this time? And Balaam, as though this is an everyday experience for the two of them, talks back to him. But listen, here's the point. Is the donkey could see God's presence in that place, though Balaam couldn't. May God open my eyes to acknowledge him in every area of my life. Oh, God. Whether it's bringing up your children or advising your grandchildren or loving your spouse, acknowledge him. He's there. Look for him. I'm encouraged by this. A minister said this some time ago, and it's just a basic fundamental truth, but it just helped me out. God is a speaking God, and God is speaking every day to you. It's time to listen. God is a present God, and God is there in every situation of your life. It's time to see him. It's time to see him. It's time to acknowledge him there with you. Whether you're sitting on the couch turning into a potato, or you're in the classroom like a sponge absorbing all that education, right? Acknowledge him. I think my deepest regret from my years in high school is that I didn't allow God to use me like he wanted to. Now in hindsight and the experiences that I've had in my life and, and even just spiritual discernment, Brother Walker, I could look back right now at my high school yearbook and I could see plainly on the faces of my classmates that there was hurt, there was pain, there was rejection. There was broken homes that they lived in. And I was there. I was there with the only saving gospel of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace living within me. And I didn't share him like I could have. Young people, I know I've alluded to you a few times in this message, but can I just say this? You are a light, you are a city set upon a hill that should not and cannot be hid. You are like a lamp that is burning. Do not cover it. Not with insecurity, not with pride, not with hobbies or sports. Let Jesus Christ in you shine. Hear me right now in the fear of the Lord, young people. You are called by the Lord at this hour, not simply to be influenced by your schools, but to influence your schools for the glory of Jesus Christ. That same commandment goes for every one of you that work at a secular job, that have, have co-workers that do not walk in truth, that have not experienced the new birth. Hear me right now. This is what I have as a burden from the Lord over the past 24 hours to tell someone here today. What does it mean to be saved? It doesn't mean you're just barely getting by, by the skin of your teeth to get through those pearly gates, to be saved means to be salt, to be light, to be a city on a hill that cannot be hid. You are called not to simply survive. You are called to be a walking revival everywhere you go. Let Jesus shine through you. But in order to let this happen, you've got to learn to trust him with all your heart. You've got to stop leaning on your own understanding and acknowledge him in all of your ways. All of your ways. The result is beautiful, unparalleled. The benefit is grand and glorious. He will direct your paths. What's so great about that? 
the one who spoke the worlds into existence. The one who knows the end from the beginning. The one who has all power in heaven and in earth. He's the one leading me. He's the one guiding me. There's no safer place to be in all of the world. Trust in him. There's Peter, a learned fisherman. No doubt brought up by a fisherman. It's all he's known, all he's ever done. He knew the way of the water, the fish. He was one with the net. (laughs) But on a certain day, he had spent all night fishing. Wonder what kind of pressure he was under. Just a little commercial break here. I don't know if you've heard of or watched the series called The Chosen, but they use a little poetic license and, and kind of Imagine what Peter must have been under, what pressure he must have been under financially to fish all night. Peter was there licking his wounds, I mean mending his nets from spending all night just trying to catch something. But all he got was probably a cold. Mending his nets, here comes this crowd. Seemingly centered on one whose name was Jesus. And Jesus makes his way right up to the boat. Simon's, Peter's, steps into the boat. Tells him, let's back away from the shore. I need to teach these people something. Speaks, teaches, and when he's done teaching, casually looks at Peter. Tells him, toss your net over the side of the boat. You're going to catch something today. Jesus, you don't understand. It doesn't feel right. And besides that, I know there's no fish here. I fished these waters all night long and caught nothing. Hesitantly, he obeys the Lord. I love how even with hesitation, obedience is still blessed. Even with some some delay, even with some hesitation, someone that's willing to obey can still come under the umbrella of God's blessing and provision. He lets out the net and he begins to pull it in too heavy for him. He calls his friends and the other boat beside him and together they pull in the greatest catch that they had ever, ever caught. And as a result, Peter, realizing that his heart and his mind had failed him, but nonetheless acknowledging the word of the Lord in obedience, he catches something. He catches faith. He catches a Savior. He catches something worth leaving the nets and the boat and the occupation for. He caught someone worth following and being a disciple of. This same Peter. He spent about three years with Jesus, hearing him teach, watching him perform miracles, raising the dead, opening the blind eyes. And then he watches. He watches this man who he committed his life to for three and a half years be betrayed by one within his inner circle. But yet still call him friend. And be beaten mercilessly, bloodied and bruised, then nailed to a cross. And he watched as this This teacher would look at those who were his accusers and executioners and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
And in obedience to the word, as he had done since he was just a child, he obeyed the law of the Sabbath. And there he was, along with the rest of the disciples of Jesus Christ, in mourning and in silence, until the first day of the week, as the sun began to rise, and the women first made their way to a tomb, only to find it empty. And an angel say, he is not here, for he is risen. This news came back to Peter and the rest of the disciples. And in unbelief, Peter had this great idea. Let's go fishing. I'm depressed. <laughs> you know, some people, they, they are stress eaters. He's a stress fisherman. Let's go fishing. I don't know what else to do. I'm mad. Jesus is gone. These ladies are liars. Let's go fishing. He goes out there fishing. And the story reads so familiar. All night fishing, him and the boys. I could imagine Peter and Andrew, James and John getting irritated with the rest of the guys who were novices. No, you don't throw the net like that. You throw, throw it like this. Nothing. All night long. They're out there murmuring, complaining perhaps, trying to just catch something, have a little social fellowship. They had a men's meeting on the boat that night to no avail. Then there is this voice that comes to them from the shore. Hey, have any fish? Don't you love it to all our fishermen in the room? You've been fishing for an hour, two, three hours. Someone walking on the, the path. Catch anything yet? No. Almost did. A couple times. I felt a good pull right there. No, we haven't caught anything. Hey, try, try throwing it on the other side. Really? Okay. Ooh, huge catch. He wanted to say, I've never felt a catch this before like this. But then it dawns on him. He has. And he leaves it. He doesn't try to take it in. He doesn't try. He jumps off the boat and runs because he knows Jesus is alive. I've been here before. I know what it's like. I've been fooled by my heart and I've rested on my understanding. But there is one that surpasses my heart and my understanding that's there on the shore. And I've got to get to Jesus. I'm here to tell you that obedience truly is better than sacrifice. And Jesus is in this room. And you may have battled with trust issues all your life, but he's worth trusting in one more time. Can we stand together? It's a marvel to me. It's a marvel. That blood that was shed 2,000 years ago still has the power to cleanse us from our sin. The psalmist in Psalm 56 and verse 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in you. Job in his pain of loss, of real loss, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will maintain mine own ways before the Lord. Trust, trust, trust. For it is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. I know that men and women have let you down. But Jesus is no mere man. Jesus is no imperfect mortal. He's much more than that. He's God who was manifest in flesh, who gave himself in obedience even unto the death of the cross so that he might become your savior, to wash you from your sins, to live in your heart, to forgive you and to cleanse you. Oh, how great is your goodness, Psalm 31 and 19 says, which you have laid up for them that fear you which you have wrought for them that trust in you before everyone else. Trust in him. I'm thankful that I'm able to trust in him. Because his word tells me I can. 
And because life experience over the past 40 years of my life have told me no different. I've learned that I could trust Him even when things don't make sense and the pain seems greater than I can bear. I could trust Him. I was talking to Sebastian. Don't mean to, don't want to embarrass you here, but we had a great conversation last night after all church prayer. I was just asking him how his Project 7 Bible Club was going. and He was telling me with such excitement in his voice about some people that had been coming and what the attendance had looked like. About 15 to 20 people on a regular basis coming to a, a Bible study in a public high school. He's especially excited because recently a new person showed up. I told him, I just want to know what's true. And I just shared with him how, how sometimes we are working with people and talking with people that come from all sorts of backgrounds. I wish I could tell you conversations I had time to tell you, just conversations I've had in the past 24 hours right here in this building and just down the street at Made Right with one of the waitresses there in Milan that have proved to me over and over again that there are people that are all around us that are hurting, that are broken, that come from broken homes. And when you hear their stories, it's no wonder why they have trust issues. There's got to be someone like the people under the sound of my voice that show them a better way, that show them by the example of their life that there is one. His name is Jesus, and he is worth following. And while they have never had a father that they could trust in, there is a heavenly father that sticks closer than a brother who's the prince of peace that offers us a peace that passes our understanding whose love casts out all fear and whose grace is sufficient. He's worth trust. There's people in this room, you've experienced what it was like to trust in the Savior. Trust to the point to go and kneel and to pray. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for things that I've said and seen and done, and I ask you to forgive me. How could you do that? Talk to someone you can't even see about something you did not see yourself. And believe that blood that was shed 2,000 years ago has the power to forgive your sins today. I don't know, but his word says so. And if there's anything worth standing on confidently, it's this book. It's the anchor to the soul. The words in it are truth and they are life. That's right. I choose to pray to a God I cannot see now because I expect to see later. And while the atheists and the agnostics, they would like to tell you that there is no God and there's no reason for putting your faith in this book called the Bible, and it's probably filled with all sorts of fallacies. Let them say what they want, but they have no answer for death that will come upon all men. But I'm so thankful. I know what will happen to me if I should die on this day. I will see the Lord, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, I've chosen, I've chosen to believe just what this word says, that if I believe and repent, I can be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like they did in scripture, and all of my sins will be washed away. That's why we choose to invest in a baptistry tank and fill that thing with water and warm it on this Sunday because we know if you're here and you believe this book is true, you can too be baptized and have all your sins washed away just like we did in our lives.
I believe. I believe that the Spirit of God is for each and every one of you and that you can receive the Spirit as a gift from God. And when you do, you'll begin to speak sounds and words you don't understand and you were not taught as God's Spirit gives you the ability. I know it's true because I've experienced it for myself. I know that book is true. I was praying with a young teenage girl on Friday night at the youth rally, a girl that I had never met before from Bloomington. In fact, the pastor from Bloomington said, that girl you prayed with today, I've never met her before. This was the first time she's come to church. But you should have seen her in the altar. Tears streaming down her cheeks in response to the word of the presence of God with hands lifted and she was worshiping the Lord and she was speaking words of surrender. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. And I explained what the spirit, the gift of the spirit is, the Holy Ghost. And I asked if she believes that that gift is for her. And she nodded her head in agreement. I asked if she could receive it tonight if she believed that. She nodded her head in agreement. I gave her simple instructions and I asked her to ask him for this gift. She asked and no sooner did she ask for the gift of his spirit. She began to speak sounds and words she did not understand and joy came over her countenance as she was freshly filled with the gift of his Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you this book is true. He is worth trusting in. Would you close your eyes? all over this place. The greatest manifestation of trust in a relationship, especially one with the Lord, is manifested in obedience. And I've already said here in this place that even obedience performed in hesitation can still be blessed by the Savior. Perhaps you're in this room, you're reluctant, you're a little unsure, what all is right or wrong or true or false. And maybe it's even your first time here and we're so glad you're here. Maybe you're hesitant to respond to the word of God, but even in hesitation, if you choose to obey, the Lord has, has something for you that's greater than you've ever caught in your whole life. There's a catch here. There's something to get that's greater than you could take in all by yourself. There's a family here ready to take it in with you. I'm going to open up this front area in just a moment. And when I do, I'm looking for people that will respond to the presence of God, the word of God, and obey. And say, Lord, I want to go forward as an expression of my obedience to your word and that I will trust in you from this day forward with all my heart. I will no longer just lean on my own understanding, but I will acknowledge you in all my ways. And so, Lord, direct my paths. Direct my path right out from where I'm standing and sitting. Direct my path all the way up front to that area we call the altar. And, Lord, it is in that place I'm going to lift my hands and surrender and say, Lord, I love you, I need you, and I'm sorry for my sins. I surrender my life to you. And in this place, you too can repent of your sin. And there is a faithful and a just God that is here to forgive you of all your sin. There's already a young man in this altar area. I wonder if somebody else is feeling directed right now that the word of God has been spoken directly to you. And it has addressed perhaps the trust issues in your life tonight. And say, Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I, I know I've got some hesitations, but Lord, I trust in you. I know that my problems seem insurmountable. I know that my life seems, Lord, so much a mess. How can I ever get this untangled? But I'll trust you. Would you do that right now? Would you let go of your excuses? Would you let go of your reasons? Would you let go of your hesitation and say, Lord, I'll believe, Lord, I'll trust in you with all my heart. Bring your pain, bring your hurt, bring your jealousy, Bring your anger. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge him. That's it. As you come, just lift your hands and begin to lift your voice and call upon the name of Jesus. Whether you feel more comfortable and appropriate to stand or to kneel, 
Just talk to the Savior right now. He's in this place. He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make all things new. I'm asking my Refuge Church family, let the Lord be a blessing through your life. Pray with someone. Pray for someone. Partner together. Let your faith be extended together with their faith and call upon the name of the Lord. If you know someone here today that needs to repent or that needs to be baptized or needs to be filled with God's Spirit, why don't you talk to them about that right now? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Pray over your mind. Pray over your thought life. Say, Lord, I, I hurt. I hurt. And, and Lord, I want to make sense of things and things don't make sense, but God, Teach me. Teach me to acknowledge you. Teach me to trust in you. Teach me to walk after your spirit. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. There is something so powerful and beautiful happening in this room right now. Pray. Call upon the name of the Lord. His spirit is moving. Let your faith mix with the word of God. Let your faith mix with the word of God. And let him touch your heart. Forgive you of your sins. Fill you with his spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, today is a good day to be saved. Today's a good day to be born again. Today's a good day to repent of your sins. Today's a great day to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw close to you. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord God. Bless you. Shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Shall I Shall I be afraid and I will wait? 